All right, I appreciate Kevin so much and leading us in worship uh, every Sunday and all those who have a part. Were you blessed this morning in the worship? I was. What a great is thy faithfulness. What a, what a marvelous testimony to our God and who He is and how He works in our lives. There was a family from New York City. They'd gotten very tired of the big city life. And so they decided to leave the hustle and the bustle of New York City and move to the wide open spaces of the American West. So they sold their flat in Brooklyn and they bought a cattle ranch in Montana. After they'd been there for a few months, a friend of theirs, former neighbor from New York City, decided he would go out and see how they were doing there in Montana, and he went out to visit them. And after taking a tour and admiring the ranch, the friend from back in New York City said, well, George, have you given your ranch a name? And George said, yes, we have, but I tell you, it was quite an adventure to do so. And the neighbor said, well, what do you mean? And George began to explain. He said, you know, when we first got here and started talking about naming the ranch, my daughter, oldest daughter, wanted to call it the South Fork. My other daughter wanted to call it the Suzy Q. My oldest son liked the Lazy Y. My younger son wanted to call it the Flying W. My wife wanted to call it the Bar K. <laughs> He said, I grew up watching Bonanza, and I kind of like the Ponderosa. So the friend said, well, what did you name it? And George said, well, that's very interesting. We decided to compromise. And so we called it the South Fork, Susie Q, Lazy Y, Flying W, Barque, Ponderosa Ranch. Friend from New York said, wow. <laughs> said, but I thought this was a cattle ranch. Don't you have any cows? I hadn't seen a single one. George said, well, we used to have some but none of them survived the branding. <laughs> Some of you will get that a little later. <laughs> Compromise. For a lot of folks, it seems to be the preferred order of the day. If you can avoid a conflict, if you can smooth out a disagreement, well, just why not give in a little, right? Why not choose a path that seems to satisfy everyone? Why not choose the way of least resistance? It sounds good, but as our rancher friend found out, compromise can be a very dangerous thing. And nowhere is it more dangerous than when we are dealing with basic issues of what is right and what is wrong. What is righteous and what is unrighteous. What is godly and what is godless. What is moral and what is immoral. This morning, I'll be honest with you, I put this message together with our students particularly in mind who will be here in the second hour, and I want you to pray over them even now, but I don't want any of us to dare think this morning that this is not a message for every single one of us. Ladies and gentlemen, here is 
The message, if I could sum it up in a sentence. Don't let anybody and everybody put their brand on your life. Because if you do, you're not going to have much of a life left. Or at least you're not going to have one that's going to be able to make any kind of significant difference. This morning, I want us to look at a very familiar story from the Old Testament about three young men who were told, if you want to be successful in the real world, if you want to get ahead in life, if you want the approval of those around you, if you want to be successful, you've got to learn how to compromise. The three men in this story, their names are well known. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Their story is told in Daniel chapter 3. I want to invite you to take your Bibles and Turn with me to Daniel chapter 3, but before we look at this chapter, let me give you some important background material here. It's important that we understand this. I've got three or four things I want to share with you here. Number one, as the background to Daniel chapter 3, you need to understand that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and many other young Jewish people have been kidnapped out of Israel by the armies of the Babylonian Empire. They are now living as exiles in Babylon. They are foreigners there. They have been forcibly taken out of their own country. They have been deposited into the culture of Babylon, and they have been told to survive there. Number two, second thing we need to understand is that Humanism is the order of the day in Babylon. In other words, the idea of a God-centered universe has been replaced with the idea of a man-centered universe. That man is the center of everything. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, living now in Babylon, have been told there is a new order They have been told that the old values and the old beliefs have been replaced with a more modern, more progressive understanding of life. That's where they are. Number three, so the king of Babylon's desire is to reprogram these young men, these young captives, so that they will serve him and advance the agenda Of Babylonian culture. You can see that there in Daniel chapter 1, verse 5. It says, The king appointed that they, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, should be educated three years, at the end of which they were to enter the king's personal service. So the king does a couple of things to try to make this happen, to try to reprogram these three young men. Number one, he teaches them a new way. To think, or he tries to. He bombards them with Babylonian philosophy, ideology, and religion. You can read there in verses 3 and 4 of Daniel chapter 1. The king ordered Ashpenaz, the, king of his, uh, the chief of his officials, 
to teach Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego the literature and the language of the Chaldeans or the Babylonians. So what the king is trying to do here is remove all the remnants of Jewish culture and upbringing from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego so that he can replace all of that with a new way of thinking. So he's trying to teach them a new way to think. Then secondly, he gives them new names. Now, we know these young men as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those names were not their original names. And this is very important. Their original names were Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Those were their Jewish names. But the king gave them new names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, each name of which was also the name of a Babylonian god. You can see that. Then the commander of the officials assigned new names to them. To Daniel, he assigned the name Belteshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. Now, you really need to understand what's happening here. The king is literally immersing Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the culture and the society of Babylon. This is not their choice, okay? They don't want to be there, but they don't have a choice. That's where they are. That's the background. Now, in Daniel chapter 3, there is a particular problem that arises. What is the problem in Daniel chapter 3? Well, in Daniel chapter 3, the king has developed what we might call a theo-ego. <laughs> he thinks he is a god. The king thinks he is a god. And because he thinks he is a god, he has created this image of himself here that you can read about in verses 1 and 4. It says, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits, its breadth six cubits. And the herald proclaimed, you are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, to fall down and worship the image that the king has set up. And by the way, the king has also let it be known that whoever does not conform to this edict will be thrown into a blazing furnace where he or she will be immediately and very efficiently removed from the kingdom. So here's the issue in Daniel chapter 3. The issue is simple. Conform or face the consequences. Conform or pay the price. Do what the king says. Do what the culture says. Or you're going to be very, very sorry. This is what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are confronted with. These young men are being told to adjust, alter, arrange, or adapt whatever needs to be adjusted, altered, arranged, or adapted so that everything comes in line with the bottom line in Babylon, in this case, which is bow down, do what the king and the culture tells you to do. 
Now, my friends, I hope you have enough spiritual sensitivity this morning to recognize that what we're seeing here is not something that is assigned to the dusty pages of ancient history. This is where we are living today. This is where our young people especially are living today. What we have read here is as contemporary as today's headlines and cable news commentary. This is our world. This is our culture. We are living in an age where the politicians, the media, the social engineers, and the new age thinkers of our culture are calling the shots. And you and I are being told to conform. We're being told to come in line with the bottom line, whatever that is, and it may be an economic bottom line, it may be a philosophical bottom line, it may be a political or social bottom line, but we're, we're being told today, every single one of us, that if we want to be successful, if we want to get ahead, if we want to be valued, if we want to be included, we're going to have to make some adjustments. We're going to have to compromise. We're going to have to do whatever we need to do to get in line with the bottom line, whatever that is. So as a follower of Jesus Christ, what are you going to do? How are you going to respond? Here's where the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego helps us. In fact, I believe with all of my heart, stories like this from the Old Testament are going to become more and more important to us today. If we're going to be able to navigate in this new reality that we find ourselves in, if we're going to be able to stand up, stand out, and stand firm in a godless culture and be victorious and have an impact and make a difference. This is why Daniel chapter 3 is in the Bible. For such a time as this. And you and I have to decide whether or not we're going to grow some spiritual backbone and show some spiritual courage or whether we're going to follow the crowd and fold under the pressure because I'm going to tell you under the authority of God's word, things are going to get a whole lot harder in this culture. We're going to face some things in this culture. You are, I am, that we have never had to face before in the United States of America. And I'm terribly afraid that many of us are very ill-prepared for what may be coming. This is why Daniel chapter 3 is in the Bible. And we had better make sure we learn the lessons from it now. Because if we don't learn the lessons now and commit to follow this now, it may be too late later on. Can I give you a piece of advice? You don't wait to fix the hole in your boat after you put it in the water. 
right? The time to fix the hole in your boat is when you're on dry land. The time to fix the hole in your boat is when you've got some foundation under you to stand on. We can't wait until we're out there and faced with the pressure and asked to pay the price to figure out what we're going to do. We got to decide that now. We got to make that decision now. We've got to make that commitment now. So, so how do we do it? How do I make sure I have what it takes to be able to stand with some courage and conviction, be able to stand up and stand out and stand firm in the face of an increasingly hostile culture and be victorious and make a difference and have an impact? Let me share with you some foundations. There are two of them. I'm calling them the foundations that we need to stand up and stand out and stand firm. And every one of us need this. And let me say, if our students don't see us doing this, fat chance of them ever doing it. If they don't see some spiritual backbone in you and me, then we can write them off. Because they'll call us phonies and hypocrites, and they won't want any part of it. I, you know, I'm learning a lot growing up with a teenager all over again. And I'm learning some things over again, and I'm seeing some things over again. And hypocrisy and shallowness, I'm telling you, they'll pick up on that every time. So we have to be leading the charge here. How do we do that? Let me share some things with you. Number one. I can stand up, stand out, and stand firm when I determine that I will live my life according to God's principles, not according to what is popular. I'm going to live my life according to God's principles and not according to what is Popular. In Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's world, let me tell you, the popular thing was to bow down and worship the king's statue. Everybody, and I mean everybody, was doing it. Look at verse 7, Daniel chapter 3. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, and all kinds of music, watch this, all the peoples, nations, and men of every language fell down and worshiped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Do you see this? If you were in Babylon, it didn't matter where you came from. It didn't matter what language you spoke. It didn't matter the color of your skin. If you were in Babylon, when the band played, everybody did the Nebuchadnezzar. Everybody. And I'm going to tell you it's the same way today. 
whether you're a student or whether you're out just in the culture at large, listen, somebody's band is going to play and you're going to be expected to dance to the music. You're going to be expected to do what everybody else is doing. You're going to be expected to react the same way everybody else is reacting. You're going to be expected to think the same way everybody else is thinking. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were expected to bow down because that is what everybody else was doing. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had another standard. They had built their lives around God's principles and God's precepts. They had a foundation that was set upon the truths of God's Word so that it didn't matter what everybody else was doing. These young men had one authority, one, and it was the king of kings, not the king of Babylon. Do you see that here in verses 8 through 12? These are, these are amazing verses. At that time, certain Chaldeans or Babylonians came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. They declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, there are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Watch this. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Can you imagine the pressure? But these guys did not give in. They stood up. They stood firm. No matter what the pressure was. And here's the truth. Every one of us here this morning is going to be faced with the pressure to bow. We're going to be faced with the pressure to bow, to do what everybody else is doing, to respond the way everybody else is responding, to feel the pressure to do what the culture says we ought to be doing. But just because everybody else is doing it, just because it's popular doesn't mean it's right. As a matter of fact, in this culture, if everybody else is doing it, it's probably not going to be right. And I got to tell you, it's going to take some courage to stand up and stand out and stand firm against that kind of pressure. So where's that courage going to come from? It's going to come from making the commitment, the determination right now, right here, before we're ever faced with it, that we're going to live our lives according to God's principles and precepts, not according to what's popular. we got to settle that right now. Right here, right now. Number two, I can stand up, stand out, and stand firm when I determine that I will make my decisions based upon my convictions and not based upon what is convenient. 
I will make my decisions based upon my convictions, not based upon what is convenient. Now, you know the story. Daniel chapter 3, word gets back to Nebuchadnezzar about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refusing to bow down to his statue. And let me tell you, the man was furious. He was livid. Look at these verses, 13 through 15 of Daniel chapter 3. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I've set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace, and then what God will be able to deliver you from my hand? I want you to notice what's going on here. The king Bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in, and he says, uh, fellas, uh, something must have happened here. Okay, something, something, something must have happened. I, I'm going I'm to give you an opportunity here. The mailman must have missed your house. You know, my letter didn't make it. Phone company dialed the wrong number. Okay, had the wrong email address on you, something. Somehow, you must have failed to get the message that when the band plays, you're supposed to bow down. So I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you another chance, guys. I'm going to give you another chance. This time, when you hear the music, all you got to do is bow down, and listen, everything will be fine. All you got to do is bow down, fellas, and everything will be great. You can keep your jobs. You can keep your house. You can keep your chariots. You can keep everything here. Everything will just be fine as long as you bow down. But if you don't, if you don't bow down, then I'm going to fire you. And I mean fire. And when I fire you, you won't ever have to worry about anything ever again. Now, could you just try to put yourself in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's sandals for just a minute? What are you going to do? I mean, they have made their point with the king, right? They didn't bow down the first time. They've made their point with the king. All they got to do now is just go along with this and everybody and everything will be just fine, Right? But that would have meant compromising their convictions. So, I want you to look here at what happened. Verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king. Now, I want to stop there for just a second because... There's something going on here that, that I don't want us to miss. It says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king. Now, that means one of two things. It means either all three of them spoke at the same time, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, or it means that one of them spoke for all three, 
But whatever it means, it means that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had already settled the issue of how they were going to respond because they knew one day that the question was coming. They knew it was coming. And they had already determined what they were going to do. Can I tell you this morning that one day you're going to be faced with a decision. You're going to be faced with a question. And you're going to have to choose between Nebuchadnezzar and God. You're going to have to, be cho- you're going to, have to choose between the kingdom of Babylon and the kingdom of heaven Do you already know how you're going to answer? Have you got that settled? Have you determined it right now? Here's how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered. Look at verse 16. O king, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. That word defend means to debate. What they're saying is, king, we're not going to debate with you about this. We're not going to try to reach some... uh, Compromise here. We're not going to try to figure out a way to get around this with you. We decided before we ever took your job that if we were ever confronted with this issue, we knew what our response was going to be. So we don't have to discuss it. We don't have to debate it. We don't have to meditate on it or even pray about it. King, your offer to us is gracious. We appreciate you giving us another opportunity, and it sure is more convenient, but we don't make our decisions based upon our convenience. We base our decisions upon our convictions, and our convictions say there is only one God, and we will obey no one but him. I'm going to tell you, that's the kind of Courage, you're going to need, and I'm going to need to be able to stand up and stand out and stand firm for God in a godless culture. But you'll never have that kind of courage. You will never be able to do that until you determine you're going to make your decisions in life based upon your convictions, not upon what's convenient. We live a lot of life based on convenience. Now, some of you may be thinking this morning, okay, preacher, uh, this is hard. If I hear you right, you're telling me that if I put God's principles before what's popular, and if I put my convictions before what is convenient, then sometimes It sounds like to me I'm going to be unpopular and I'm going to be inconvenienced. Bingo. That's exactly right. You're going to be unpopular. You're going to be inconvenienced. You're going to be looked down on. You might be hated. That's why this takes courage. This is why you got to settle this issue right now. You don't wait until you're confronted with it. If you wait until you're confronted with it, the chances of you doing the kind of thing Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did is, is probably very small. You got to make that decision now that you're going to live your life based upon God's principles, not based upon what's popular, and you're going to make your decisions based upon your convictions, 
what God's Word has to say. It's not based upon what's convenient. So it's not easy. It's going to be hard. We've got to understand that. We've got to recognize that. We've got to embrace that. But can I tell you something? Can I make you a promise? This is worth it. It is worth it to stand up for Christ. It is worth it to stand firm. It is worth it to stand fast. It is worth it because there are some incredible rewards waiting on the man, waiting on the woman, waiting on the young person who will live an uncompromising life. And I want to show you what those are. And you decide whether you just want to pass these off or not. Let let me share with you some, some rewards for standing up, standing out, and standing firm. Here they are. Number one, when I stand up, stand out, and stand firm, I am promised, watch this now, the uninhibited presence of God, the unrestrained power of God, and the unexplainable protection of God at work in my life. The uninhibited presence of God, the unrestrained power of God, the unexplainable protection of God at work in my life. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to bow down to the king's statue, do you remember what happened? He threw them in the fiery furnace just like he said he would, right? You can read about that in verses 19 through through 23. Then put those in your message guide, but you know the story. He threw them in the fiery furnace just like he said he would. Listen, living courageously for God, standing up, standing out, and standing firm doesn't mean you don't have to face the wrath of the Nebuchadnezzars of this world. It just means they don't get the final word. They don't get the last word. He threw them in, but look at what happens here in verses 24, 25. They're in the furnace. Nebuchadnezzar's watching. It says, Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement, and he asked his advisors, Weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, Certainly, O king. He said, Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Close. (laughs) It wasn't some a son of the gods. It was the son of God. I believe it was the pre-incarnate Christ, the son of God, who was in that fire with him. God didn't keep Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego out of the fire, but he went into that fire with them. And because he went into that fire with them, they experienced his uninhibited presence, his unrestrained power, and his unexplainable protection. The fire could not harm them. Look at verse 27. The fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. 
Now, if you want to experience the uninhibited presence of God, the unrestrained power of God, the unexplainable protection of God upon your life, you've got to stand up, stand out, stand firm. You've got to determine you're going to live your life based upon God's principles, not upon what's popular. You've got to determine you're going to make your decisions based upon your convictions and not upon what is convenient. You will never experience that if you bow to the Nebuchadnezzars of this world. You will never experience that if you give in to the pressures of the culture. That's a pretty good reward. But there's one that's just as exciting here. Second one that we see. When I stand up, stand out, and stand firm, I am also promised God's pathway to the praise and the promotion of men. Did you know that? God's pathway to the praise and the promotion of men. Now, Nebuchadnezzar was a pagan king. He was an unbeliever, but I want you to look and see what happened when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of that fiery furnace. Verses 28 through 30 here. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble, for no other God can save in this way than the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Now, you want to know how to get ahead in life? You want to know how to be successful in life? You stand on God's principles, not on what's popular. You make your decisions based upon your convictions, not upon what's convenient. You do what's right. You do what God expects you to do. You come through for him, and I promise you, he'll come through for you. Now listen, that doesn't mean everybody's going to praise you. It doesn't mean everybody's going to promote you. But listen, God knows how to get through to the people who count. He knows how to do that. If he could get through to a pagan, humanistic king like Nebuchadnezzar, he can get through to the people in your life. And he can get through to the people in my life. Let me show you a verse here, one of my favorite ones, Proverbs 21.1. It says, the heart of the king is in the hands of the Lord. He directs it like a water course wherever he pleases. Do you see that? The heart of the king is in the hands of the Lord. The heart of the boss is in the hands of the Lord, the heart of the supervisor, the heart of the personnel director, the heart of the admissions committee, the heart of whoever it may be. All of that is in God's hands, 
And if God wants you somewhere, if God wants you in some position, if God wants you to go through some door of opportunity, then nobody and no thing will be able to stand in your way. That's a promise. But you got a choice. I've got a choice. What is the standard by which I will live my life? Now, I want to show you something here at the end that's very, very important because we have a tendency to look at a story like this and think, hey, this is about us. This is about what God will do for me if I stand up and stand out and stand firm. No. What's the real reason for doing this? Do you do it so you earn the praise and promotion of men? No. Do you do it so that you get God's presence and power and protection? No, that's not why you do it. Those are benefits that come to you, but you do it for one reason. It's all for God's glory. Look at verse 28 again. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Not Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but to the God of of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he goes on so that a pagan king sounds like a psalmist, exalting, extolling God's virtues and God's glory. Jesus said something about that in Matthew chapter 5. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and praise your Father in heaven. This isn't some formula for your personal success. This is a formula for God's glory. In the most pagan, humanistic culture and setting you could possibly imagine. If you'll stand up and stand out and stand firm for God. If you'll live your life according to God's principles, not according to what's popular. If you'll make your decisions based upon your convictions, not upon what is convenient, then God will take your life and he will make it a vehicle for his glory. And the unbelievers in our world will see the reality of God at work in your life. And there is no greater thing that could ever be accomplished with your life than that. It's going to take some courage, folks. It's going to take some spiritual backbone. And I can promise you it's going to take you and me leading that charge for the sake of these generations that are coming behind us. Will you be that? Our world needs some Shadrachs, Meshachs, and Abednegoes today. Some men and women who will stand up and stand out and stand firm, who won't compromise, who won't give in to the pressure so that God may be glorified, so that an unbelieving, pagan, skeptical world will see the reality of God's presence, the reality of God's power, the reality of God's protection in our lives, and they will bow before the God we bow before this morning, the one true, living, real, life-transforming God of this Word. 
I want you to bow your head with me this morning. Every head bowed for just a moment with your spirit hopefully in tune with God's spirit. This is an incredible story. It's one that so often we're so familiar with that it loses its particular power. I hope this morning God has spoken again to you and helped you to realize that this is really a story about us, who we are and what God has called us to be and do in this culture. Heavenly Father, I pray right now for my brothers and sisters in Christ. I I pray, Lord, we would recognize we're living in a world that is increasingly hostile toward you, toward your kingdom. But, oh God, what an opportunity we have if we will stand up and stand out and stand firm. God, you can take our lives and make them vehicles for your glory. Help us, God, to make that decision now, to make that commitment now. To determine right now when the question comes how we're going to answer. To settle right now how we're going to respond when we're told to bow to the pressures of this culture. Help us to be, Lord, those who lead the charge for the sake of those who come behind us is our prayer in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask you to join me in standing. We're going to sing together this morning. All to Jesus I surrender. Just a verse or two. If you need to respond, if you need to come to this altar, if I can pray for you, this is your time right now. Let's sing together. You let God speak to your heart right now as we sing.